The Trigger Report is recorded on Anchor FM and can be followed on the following platforms. Our website at www.thetriggerreport.com or you can simply search The Trigger Report on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. If you're willing to support as a pledge and earn some other perks along the way, please visit patreon.com slash woodbridgewrites. We appreciate you listening and supporting the program. I hope you enjoy tonight's show. Thank you. Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of The Trigger Report. Uh, this is your host, Tyler Woodbridge. Uh, my co-host, Derek Cooner, is uh, sitting out tonight's show, but we have a very special guest that I've had the pleasure of working with in person and we'll be seeing a lot more of in the next few years, uh, Mr. Stephen Barhorst. Uh, say goodnight to the, uh, the audience. Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks, Tyler, for having me on. Uh, yes, yes, it's uh, definitely a pleasure. Um, hey, this is the first show that we've had in a few weeks uh, because uh, I've just been busy myself, but not quite as busy as uh, you've been. Uh, so wh- why don't you int- introduce yourself and share uh, with our listeners uh, what exactly has been going on with you the last few weeks? Sure. So just to give the brief run, uh, rundown of who I am, uh, as, as we said at the top of the program, my name is Stephen Barhorst. Uh, Barhorst. I am a uh, sophomore at uh, Middle Tennessee State uh, University, where I lead the Young Americans for Liberty and the College Re- and the uh, and I'm the secretary of the College Republicans. And uh, what we've been doing this week, uh, it's been very yell heavy. We started out the week with a debate where I sat down with the president of the College Democrats and the president of the College Republicans. We had a very nice uh, substantive debate on the issues. And you can actually see that on our Facebook page. Um, you can see the live stream of that and how that all went down. Uh, after that, on Wednesday, we uh, went through and we had a town hall with State Representative Brian Terry, who is the state rep for uh, Min- uh, Middle Tennessee's district, uh, MT- MT- MTSU's district, that's District 48. Um, Representative Terry uh, is working to get uh, legal uh, legal med- uh, legal medical cannabis passed through the Tennessee House. Nice. So, yes, uh, he is. Uh, he he's he's very much a, a Liberty Republican, and uh, we had the pleasure of hosting him and uh, letting both you know uh, our side and uh, college Republicans ask some questions. It was a very nice, substantive town hall. Uh, a lot of questions asked on a lot of different subjects. And then we capped off the week with a seminar on free speech on college campuses. We had we were collaborating with the Grassroots uh, Grassroots Leadership Academy, uh, which is a subsidiary, not necessarily a subsidiary, but it's a a partner uh, with Americans for Prosperity. Um, And uh, we got a speaker, uh, Zach Cuban, to come over uh, and talk to us about sort of the history of college uh, free speech on college campuses, the different laws that have been in place and uh, all that stuff. So it's been a, it's, it's been a real whirlwind of a week. 
Oh man, I'd say so. And uh, I am one of the most recent uh, members of MTSU's uh, Young Americans for Liberty chapter. I pretty much joined up within probably like the first half hour of the meeting that I went to. And uh, I can't wait to get a, more involved as my schedule starts clearing up a little bit. You, you know, uh, I too am a sophomore at MTSU, but I'm a little bit more non-traditional uh, than Steven is. So it's a little bit harder for me to wedge myself into stuff sometimes. But uh, yeah, like I, I'm really proud of uh, what you're accomplishing. And uh, it's gotten people on different sides of the uh, platforms talking uh, about uh, Young Americans for Liberty, about the issues in Middle Tennessee. And mm -hmm. I think we've got some exciting momentum. Um, for example, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the debate that you had. Uh, it, it's awesome that MTSU had uh, libertarian representation uh, with you and Yal. And mm -hmm. uh, I was just wondering uh, what some of the key takeaways were from that three-way debate. Right. So I think that a, that a big thing was that there was a lot of agreement between myself and the Republican, uh, the person representing the Republican, the person representing the Democrat on a couple key issues. So we agreed on medicinal uh, marijuana. Everyone was for that. Recreational was a little bit more of a breakdown, a little bit more nuance uh, to that level of the debate, a little bit more uh, gradients of disagreement uh, on the recreational side. Uh, we agreed on tariffs in that those should be uh, slashed down, if not completely gotten rid of. Um, and there were there was a, a little bit more of a clash on health care. But generally, it was really, really sort of respectful, really civil which is a, a good contrast from uh, the national races going on in, you know, say the, the state, uh, the, the statewide U S Senate race between Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen, or even the uh, presidential campaign in 2016 and the one looming in 2020. Um, it was very, it was very civil, very nice. We actually got to talk about policy, which was one of the big things that, uh, the sponsors, the MTSU debate team really wanted to talk about. So it was good to have that contrast. Yeah, yeah. And as uh, we pass it into the midterms and onward towards 2020, millennials have become the largest uh, cohort of uh, voters in the country now. We've uh, finally surpassed uh, boomers. And uh, with millennials and Generation Z now, too, uh, getting uh, involved in politics, you know, we, we've grown up in the era of very negative politicking. You know, we grew up seeing uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment runs, uh, the vitriol spew spewed at George W. Bush, the Barack Obama campaigns, the, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen a lot of nastiness uh, growing up watching politics. And there's a lot of people um, in our generation that are a little bit more disillusioned uh, with the interactions that you've been having on the college political scene and that you've seen among young people. Do you think there's actually hope for unity and civility in politics moving forward? Right. And I would say yes. And you made a very good point about the way that are my generation specifically generation Z has been brought up. So where you, uh, where you as a millennial went through um, the Clinton administration and pre nine 11, we really grew up in the midst of that. So we grew up uh, immediately after I was born, I was born in 99. So a year, uh, a couple, only two years after I was born, the world trade center blows up. And then 
a couple of years after that were doing all these escapades in the in the Middle East, thanks to thanks to President Bush, so or W. Bush. So we've really grown up in this post-American uh, um, kind of wasteland, for a better term, for for lack right, of a better right. term. Yeah, because uh, so and you you really touched on it when you talked about the negativity of the politics, and that every people are just looking for an alternative. I think that it's blatantly obvious that people are looking for an alternative when the when when Donald Trump becomes the president or when Bernie Sanders is talked about as a as a leading 2020 contender that people are looking for mm-hmm. something new, something fresh, something radically different from everything else. They're really looking for a, a new path forward. So it's all about how do we how do we give it to them, but not only just presenting a way we right way and uh, young americans for liberty does a lot of work with that yes yes i've uh, ever since i've gotten interested in the organization i've been uh, following a few key figureheads like um, cliff mahoney the the uh, the national director uh he mm. is just uh, a, a pillar of uh, civility and intelligence when it comes to politics. And there have been so many people, whether they were former YAL members or, um, you know, some kind of advisory or some kind of keynote speaker role. Um, you, you've gotten so many political luminaries involved in that part of the movement that I, I just absolutely idolize. And I love how uh, Cliff is wanting to build up. That, that's the whole mission is to build up a bench of experienced and principled legislators nationwide um, among young people. Uh, so we can kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, t- take over to leave people alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're touching on operation win at the door. And this was really uh, something that, well, I, I've had the, I've had the chance to meet Cliff. Uh, Cliff is really great. Cliff, uh, Cliff Maloney. Um, and Yal's national team has decided to do win at the door. And you talked about it, how we're trying to build a bench of uh, Liberty legislators. So Yal is taking a look at um, winnable, uh, viable, like winnable races for viable pro-Liberty candidates. And this isn't just um, Republicans. Uh, this isn't just, you know, a Libertarian Party. We're looking at holistically throughout every party what is a a liberty-minded candidate that we can get in that can sit there you that that can get into to office uh sort of incubate uh, a little bit um get some get some feet out under them uh and then hopefully move up from state rep to maybe state senator and then from there up to a statewide race maybe a governor a congressman a senator president who knows we're really trying to get everything everything going on that end and it's been it's been a it's been a a whirlwind race to election day yeah yeah and you, you got to really start small i feel like to be effective uh you know you can't just uh y- you know, jump straight to a higher office, in my opinion, unless you have like Mm -hmm. a very experienced, uh, say like a philanthropic or a business background or something like that. You really have to start at the local and state level. Yeah. now, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Brian Terry, who, who you guys had a uh, town hall with, uh, does he feel kind of like the young American for Liberty uh, type of mold? Do you think he represents our values really well? 
Well, I can't necessarily speak for uh, Yao on that issue. What I can say uh, is that uh, he is my state representative, and uh, I am extremely proud to have uh, Brian Terry as my state representative. Yeah, he is very, he represents a lot of the things that I stand for, and he's not willing. He talked about, um, he wasn't afraid to uh, be in the principal's office if he voted wrong on a bill is, is the terminology that he used. He, he wasn't afraid. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to, to do the right thing, even if it meant that he was going to have to suffer some political blowback because he knew that it was the right thing to do. And we need more people yeah. like that just across the board in politics. Yeah, that, that actually kind of low key makes me glad that I live in the 34th and but sad at the same time. I'm sad that Terry is not my state representative, but I'm glad because I could never run against him or support somebody to run against him because he's, he does have a lot of respect among libertarians of Tennessee. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to do some great work with the, with the legislature. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I got to say, you know, in, in regard to Tennessee politics, uh, to continue that general theme, uh, your article about uh, Marsha Blackburn versus Phil Bredesen has been one of the most viewed and uh, commented on articles in the history of my blog. And I want to thank you again for your contribution there. Thanks Uh, for, thanks for hosting it. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome on this platform anytime. Uh, Now I, I just want to see what your thoughts are uh, on how that race has developed over the last uh, week and how it's looking coming down the home stretch. I know that uh, there were protesters getting thrown out of a Blackburn event the other day. Yes. Like, uh, how yes. do you feel like things are developing there? Um, so that specific event was, and I had friends that were there through college Republicans. I was not there. Um, but what apparently the rundown on that one was they had, Marsha Blackburn and Lindsey Graham, who was campaigning with Marsha Blackburn, uh, decided that they wanted to take. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 uh, Lindsey Graham 2.0, and uh, yeah. Lindsey Lindsey <laughs> Graham the new savage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindsey Graham 2.0 has been a a massive boon to America, at least so far. Uh, so. They they decide that they want to take uh, turning a little bit more serious. They decide that they want to take a break, uh, take a moment of silence for the victims of the Tree of Life synagogue shooting over the weekend. Uh, yeah. And in the middle of that uh, moment of silence, there were protesters that got up oh. and started screaming. Exactly. And Dude. yeah, they 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 just can't stop. So they were they were thrown out. Um, apparently the event went on after that, uh, relatively normally, but I think that the, this race has been for, for more or less, if you look at the betting odds, which give Marsha a pretty good chance to win, if you look at, excuse me, 538, which gives Marsha a very good chance to win. If you, if you look at, uh, real clear politics where she's polling, uh, outside the margin of error uh, in the in the win category, uh, it seems like she's going to pull this out, and I'm not really too surprised about that because Tennessee has always leaned uh, pretty conservative when it comes to these statewide races so far. Yeah, um, yeah, and really, this sort of just gets down to what choice is most beneficial to 
libertarians. And I went over, I touched on this a little bit in my article uh, for you guys, but uh, really what it comes down to is a calculation between which agenda of the two major parties is uh, most beneficial to us in the, in the short term and in the long term. Because even though we have uh, things like the Libertarian Party, uh, it's, it's still going to take a little bit of time before they get to a position where they're actually available to uh, get, in, get within striking distance of some of these seats. Sure, you have outliers right. like Gary Johnson in New Mexico, which has a little bit better of a chance. But yeah. for the most part, they're still you know, finding their footing. And when we analyze these things, the Republicans, while they may not be with us all the way on things like the Patriot Act, uh, immigration is a little bit debatable, um, is a little bit more debatable in libertarian circles. While they may not be with us maybe on tariffs, um, they're definitely with us on tax rates. They've proven to be with us on foreign policy, at least in a number of libertarian uh you know, points we wanted to see uh, a little bit of a de-escalation with North Korea. We've gotten that. We wanted to see de-escalation. That's been amazing. Yeah, uh, we wanted to see de-escalation in the Middle East. We've gotten that um, tremendously. I have to despite... say, I have to mm. say, it's been a. I, I got to cut you off, and I just got to give credit where credit is due. And, mm-hmm. and it, t- it takes a. It, uh, it takes a lot for me to do this. But Trump has really impressed me with his foreign policy. Mm-hmm. I have to give some credit where credit's due. Um, apart from you know, like a, a little bit of issues with you know, like say the wall and things like that. The North Korea and the Middle East de-escalations have went smoothly. Uh, you know, we've the Syria thing blew over a lot more mm-hmm. easily than I thought it would be with minimal casualties there. And I, he has not been quite as much of a war hawk as I expected. I, I have to give him some problems. No, and you have – well, I, I always thought he'd be a little bit more of a dove because looking at his campaign rhetoric, he, he used a lot of the Pat Buchanan talking points. And when we're talking about someone like Pat Buchanan, Trump is very influenced by these paleo-conservative – uh, nationalist is the term that he described himself. He's really informed by a lot of those positions. And on foreign policy especially, he's essentially used a paleoconservative, Pappy Cannon type foreign policy just with a lot of support for the state of Israel. And that is that seems to be a, a combination that's really worked out thus far. Um, We'll, we'll kind of see what happens as it goes forward. But as long as he can keep the, the John Boltons and the Nikki Haley's uh, of the world of his administration sort of out of his ear on foreign policy, mm-hmm. and he can continue to go with that gut reaction that's kept him from uh, getting into wars and unnecessary military conflicts, we should be fine on foreign policy. Like, uh, like you were saying, it's, it's my favorite part of the presidency, hands down. Because it's been such a yes, slam yes. dunk. And no, and I, I have to give credit where credit's due somewhere else. I am harder than Rand, on Rand Paul than a lot of other uh, libertarians I know because wow. <laughs> I, I like him. I like him a lot, and I think he's done a lot of good. But again, credit where credit's due. They say that he has the president's ear in such a way when it comes to foreign policy. 
um, you know, better than a lot of other senators and even people in his own cabinet. If mm-hmm. it's th- th- they say that Rand Paul alone was keeping him from uh, military action in the Middle East on a couple yeah. different occasions. Yeah, um, I-, I saw speculation that Rand Paul is truly sticking to 40 chess. I-, I know it's hard for a lot of us to see the long game here, but they're saying that he's going to try to inherit Trump's base after 2024 for his own campaign. Mm-hmm. And if it takes this kind of long game to and you know get a liberty president you know i'm willing to see this one play out and i'm not going to be as rough on him moving forward at least i'm going to try not to be yeah and and i (laughs) yeah i and i um i generally support the strategy uh only because uh it's it seems to be the most viable in the long term because the 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 Trump coalition is a lot like it, it's this really funhouse mirror reflection of the Obama coalition, which won right. in the 2008 and 2012 elections. Um, it, it seems like it's it it'll go whichever way that he's. The, it seems it'll go whichever way he he'll send them to. Um, but uh, an interesting thing about Trump's base is that they're capable of leaving him. In favor of other in favor of other groups, and we saw this with candidates like Roy Moore and Corey Stewart. Well, not not so much oh, with Corey yeah. Stewart, not not so much with Corey Stewart, but definitely with uh, definitely with Roy Moore in Alabama, where Trump explicitly explicitly endorsed Luther Strange, and they still went with Roy Moore over the over the Trump backed candidate. And say say what you will about uh, how Rand. Um, how how Rand has portrayed himself playing this game, but it, it he seems to be the only libertarian that's truly taking into account the political games and the political machinations that's actually going to get us where we want to be in the long term. Yeah, there has and, to be. And Massey to a degree. Massey to a degree has kind of been sticking with that plan too, and because yeah. uh, you know you contrast that with uh, Justin Amash, who has been outwardly speaking against uh, some of the president's, uh, you know, quotes and actions and things like that. But so, there, so, there's a difference. There, there's a difference to interject. There's a difference between what Justin Amash is doing and what I find with many, uh, many libertarians that are uh, against Rand now. Or n- not against, but they they feel like he's kind of sold them out. Um, right. Amash is functions much more uh, in the role of uh, in the role of the the loyal opposition. He will, right. yeah. He 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 generally agrees with you know the the way that the the country seems to be shifting. He just wants some divergencies in policy from. Okay, maybe let's taper away off the wall, or let's taper away off the tariffs. You know, yeah, because Let, let's, let's cut out those. The wall is my biggest sticking point with Marsha Blackburn. To be a hundred percent honest with you, mm-hmm. if okay. if that wasn't so much of a campaigning point with her. I might be more open to it. And, le- and like I said earlier, I'm still undecided on that. I'm actually waiting until election day to vote this year because I'm still undecided on that. And I'm yeah. taking my vote seriously. You know, I, I said before I was going to write no, Tom Arnold and 
it, it you know, um, I've, uh, I just, I just don't think I can write anybody in. I've looked into the other candidates. Uh, there's like six other candidates, but none of them are running serious campaigns. So for me, it really is going to come down to uh, Blackburn uh, and, and Bredesen. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I just, I'm kind of looking forward to the reaction for my uh, followers when I announce who I decide to endorse, because uh, either way, uh, you're going to see some interesting debate. <laughs> yeah, and it seems to me like the libertarian community is pretty divided on this thing, um, because I've been getting uh, positive feedback. I've been getting, well, not necessarily negative, but I have people that say, you know, you've really convinced me on this, and now I'm going to vote for Marsha. And then I have people that say, well, I, like, I'm still sticking with this. Like, I'm, I'm still, like, th these are still my major sticking points. But it's been very, very contentious. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that are also kind of hem-hawing and really dragging it out to the last minute. Because you have to take your vote seriously. You know, I, I've never been one to just go to the ballot box and just go, you know, straight line ticket or, you know, just throw out a name because they sound cooler or whatever. You know, yeah. I actually do my research. And, and that's why it kind of, you know, you know, drives me to stress and, you know, take yeah. politics so seriously. And if and if I can just say uh, one last thing about the, the U.S. Senate race is that uh, despite the fact that both of them will end up being little more than just yes votes on major pieces of the of the of their respective agenda uh, of, of their of their legislative agenda, um, Marsha has a little bit of a streak in her where she has she she has. Sure, she'll vote yes on on uh, on on this basket of things, and this basket of things represents about eighty five percent of what of what uh, Trump wants to pass. There's a couple things that she's indicated that she's really a a stickler on. So she voted for the Amash Conyers Amendment to the Patriot Act, uh, the the Justin Amash Amendment to the Patriot Act, which would have yes. required a warrant. Yeah, it 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 would have required a warrant. To any of the any of the FISA wiretaps on um, on the bulk data collection of American phone records, um, well, she voted well, yes the, on the. That's Conyers. one thing I dig. Yes, I mm -hmm. dig that. She voted yes on the Amash Amendment. She stuck hard on foreign on uh, on uh, on free trade. So she is she has been she she has vocally opposed the president on free trade. Like which, yeah. which I, I was in, in all the debates. That's good. That's good. Yeah, in, in all the debates when asked about free trade, she said, Well, I don't really you know, I don't really like the tariffs, but if they lead to a place where we can get free trade with China because they're not playing ball, then I'm cool with it, is what Marsha has said. Um right. but she she stuck very hard on free trade. Uh, another thing is that her her big issues are defunding uh, or stopping federal dollars going to Planned Parenthood, which is another which thing cool that she's with, stuck on. Which I'm cool with. Yeah, if, if nothing else, yeah, and, and I'm, and I'm pro-life, uh, but I would, I would urge libertarians to look at it as um, we're sending federal dollars to a place that we that doesn't really need to go. Because Planned yeah, Parenthood, that's one thing. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. 100%. Yeah, be, because because despite what you think about it, Planned Parenthood can be funded 
through private means and it's proven that it can be funded through private means because every single time that it's threatened to be defunded their donations skyrocket by 500 percent so it, it yeah, it's, it's proved to be me, pretty sustainable it, yeah those actions uh really put out the vo- volunteerism the the charity you know funding things like i'm i'm that i love that uh another th- couple things to, uh, just to uh, wrap up the senate race real quick you know like uh bredesen uh in favor of obamacare uh marcia is uh, better on the second amendment which is a big thing for me you know so uh, those are two things that i'm definitely uh, considering heavily as we get closer to election day um a couple quick hot shots uh questions for you see where you think mm-hmm. some of these races are leaning um Dean versus Lee versus 16 Libertarians. Uh, I I think Lee walks away with this one by at least five. Easily. Easily. I think that he goes more than that. I think that he wins by 11 uh, or at least at 10. Uh, Yeah. 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 It's, it's been, it's been a really kind of weird race because it's almost been bizarro Trump because everyone else was again, a major theme throughout Tennessee elections is that it's this funhouse mirror reflection of the rest of the country where uh, Marsha Blackburn has been, uh, has, has been uh, sort of um, she, she's had aspersions cast on her that she's like the Hillary Clinton of the Republican party and things <laughs> like that. Well, I've, I've heard it and you know, I don't, while I don't necessarily agree with those comparisons, she's had that, she's had those lumps and it, it's been this weird reflection of uh, the presidential election in Tennessee. The governor's race has been really, really interesting because it's such a positive race. Right, and, right. There's been very little mudslinging, if at all. Uh, like Bill Lee, yeah. you know, it, it's like, I, you know, I'm going to vote for one of the 16 libertarians, but I can do so mm-hmm. with a bold conscience because I know that Bill Lee, honestly, I, I got a good feeling he's going to walk away with this one. Uh, so I, I feel good about that. Uh, yeah. You know, out of, out of the 16 libertarians, and I know we've cut, uh, went back and forth on this one a little bit about the viability of that strategy. Um, I, I know, of course, like uh, Heather Scott, Vinny Vineyard, uh, they have put in a, a lot of effort on their campaigns. Do you see any of them breaking? Uh, let's go with uh, 3%. Uh, do you take the over under on that one with one of the libertarians? I would go under, and it's only because it's so spread out. Um, right. it, it would be one thing. Well, it would, yeah, and it would be one thing if they put it uh, all on Vinny Vineyard, or if they put it all, or if they they bet the house on Vineyard, or if they bet the house on Heather Scott. Which I think that it would have been fascinating to have a, let's say that instead of they they run those sixteen candidates, let's say that they just take Vineyard and Heather Scott, and they say, okay, like you guys really want to run for governor. That's cool. In order to get the endorsement, we're you know you you guys can primary, because that will get yes. a lot of positive press. Yes, yeah, it, it'll get a lot of positive press. Um, but going back to um, go, going back to uh, the the main point, it's just too spread out. the 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 yeah. field is just too thin for any of them, um, especially when added on to those governor candidates. You have candidates from the Green Party what remains of yeah. the Constitution Party in Tennessee. Oh, don't um, forget Mark Coon, Rippy Brown. 
Yeah, and Coon Whippy, <laughs> which runs every year. It, who who runs every year? Yeah. Um, it, there's just a whole giant field of of independent <laughs> candidates weird. this year. Yeah, and I don't. And we we were talking a little bit about this, and I'll just say it about the the running twenty candidates for governor strategy. Um, I understand that um, frustrations at uh, the the election commission are you know high um, because the it it's so the the election uh, commission uh, and and their rules regarding third parties are so ridiculous with all the red tape and all the all the signature gathering and then they throw out the signatures if they don't like it. Um, I the 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 problem with that is that you have to maintain a level of credibility uh, in this. So instead of running, I, w- I would have filled out the ticket. So instead of running those twenty uh, people, I would have condensed it into a bracket for let's say a primary, and then you can publicize yeah. that and throw it to the Tennessee Star, um, who had a little bit of aspersions about a couple of the candidates in there. Maybe you throw a couple to the Tennessee star, see if they can't see if there isn't anything that they want to write about. You can throw it to the Tennessean uh, daily news journal, uh, Murfreesboro post, all these different newspapers. Um, See, and and I'm just quoting middle Tennessee newspapers here, but uh, see if there's anything that they don't want to write about and then take a couple of those different candidates um, and throw them into the, into the Senate race and see oh, if we, we you caught know. a bit of a we caught a bit of a media over in Memphis because people um, out west got just so uh, hurt by the fact that whenever you magnify the ballot, it pushes Carl Dean to page two, and so everybody it, mm-hmm. it's it's funny it's like it, it, you know Pete repeat with the criticisms of liber- libertarians, uh, you know the Democrats are saying they're all Republican plants. Uh, to help Bill Lee, and then the Republicans are all saying they're all Democrat plans to help Carl Deed, and it's like... And the reality is it's just a bunch of angry libertarians. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, I I just think that the, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee is in a little bit of some murky waters right now. They're, they're really trying to find... They're really trying to find footing. So you need someone who's going to be able to give some some strong some steady some experienced administration to the party um because as much as uh nick sarwark the the national chair says that the chair is the least important person in the party and while that technically should be true tennessee the the chair in tennessee is going to have to take a much more visible much more active role in making sure that uh, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee is something that's recognizable and that's something that has credibility. Right, right. That's why I wholeheartedly endorse Joshua Eckel. You know, uh, no matter who mm-hmm. else uh, comes out of the the, the framework, uh, the dude's young, energetic, experienced. He's a marketing guru. Uh, like I really trust that Joshua would really put a positive. Uh, public eye on the LPTN, and I, I'm I'm pretty excited to finally get involved, go to the caucuses, go to the conventions, and everything, and you know really see how the LPTN gets out of these murky waters, as you said. Because yeah. I think Echo would be the guy to do it. 
Yeah, and I don't, admittedly, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party. It's not really my domain. Um, but from everything that I understand, it seems as though Josh, I don't really know if there's any other choice that would make any sense other than Josh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cole Abel's done a great job and he's likely going to win his alderman's race. His wife, Erica, mm. won a, uh, a county commissioner race. Heather Scott. Well, if, I remember, uh, if, I remember, if I remember correctly, Cole Abel isn't running for re-election. That is correct. He's stepping down. Mm. Okay. Okay. It, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, you've got all these libertarians across Tennessee that either are gaining experience or have experience. And we've got some allies like Dr. Brian Terry, like, uh, the, um, like Lynn Jacobs, you know, I really think mm -hmm. the environment in the state is starting to tilt in the favor of, um, you know, liberty minded politics, but we just need to stay pragmatic, uh, work together and, you know, maybe not necessarily do stunts anymore. We got their attention now, but now it's time to get serious for the next two years. Yeah, just batting down the hatches. And uh, really, you, it, it it's all about presenting a face uh, that's going to be able to connect with people that people are going to like and think is credible. So um, it, it's all about finding those viable, those... Um, those solid, those respectable candidates uh, for the future on that. And that if, if the Libertarian Party can, uh, if the LPTN can find its footing on that, then I think that they have a pretty good ground to be uh, a, a good, uh, to be a, to be a solid party um, in, in the state of Tennessee. Right, right. And yeah, so uh, over the next few years as, uh, you know, benches are built and, uh, you know, the ebb and flow of politics carries on. You know, hey, could we one day see a uh, state rep, uh, Stephen Barhorst, or a uh, uh, mayor, Stephen Barhorst, down the I road? Don't, I, I don't know. Um, politics is something that uh, is very mean. You know, it, it's, it's a very right. mean life with the campaigning. And as someone that and, wants and to have a nice family. Guy. Yeah, and as someone who wants to have a family, I'm not sure that uh, – that um that i would want to put them through that but uh as our president donald trump has said uh, if it ever got if it ever got too bad i wouldn't want to rule it out totally <laughs> right right there we go i like that answer <laughs> yeah uh but yeah um i i gotta say this has been a a long but very engaging very informative program we've covered a lot mm -hmm. of ground um, but, you know, uh, I, I want to tie it short so I, I don't lose too many people, but I'm sure I, I'm going to have you back on the program before long. Uh, sure. Maybe you got Love any, to come uh, back on. Absolutely. Got any good uh, final words or uh, final uh, talking points you want to put out there to our people? Um, not really, other than um, we have to uh, remember in the Liberty Movement that uh, we have to take these small victories where we can take them because even though they seem small now and they, they do seem small now, maybe it's just a county commissioner here, a state rep there, a alderman there, um, you know, dog catcher, uh, dog catcher over there. Uh, these things, these things add up over time. So that alderman that we talked about, let, you know, if, if Cole Ebel wins that seat, uh, that alderman seat, so he, he'll win that alderman seat, 
maybe in a couple of years he'll run for state rep. Maybe in a couple of years after that he'll run for uh, he'll run for state senate. Maybe a couple of years an eye after out for that. Tom Arnold. Tom, yeah. Tom Arnold 2020. I think that that could be a big moving and shaking thing. He, he's yeah. an intelligent guy with a, he's well-spoken and he's, I, I can't give away too much at this point, but I'll tell you, he has a hell of a campaign team behind him. So look out yeah. for Tom Arnold in 2020. Yeah. So we, we, it, it's really just a message about building the bench and solidifying people that will be able to take us where we want to go in the future. Amen to that. And, you know, with people like Stephen Barhorst of uh, Young Americans for Liberty, college Republicans, uh, MTSU student, uh, great guy, uh, great uh, partner in this political movement, uh, great writer, glad having you on the show. And uh, on behalf of uh, Stephen and everybody out there, this is your host, Tyler Woodbridge, wishing you all a good night. And thank you very much.